Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome in on a Friday. It's the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you so much for making the podcast a part of your day. And uh, a little bit of deja vu today, because I remember just a couple of days ago uh, doing a podcast right here on basically this same thing. But now we've got a lot of forward momentum. So it's not going to be repetitive, at least I hope not, because things have changed since Wednesday. So we talked about the idea of spring football and why that's not viable and the other contingency plans in place. Since then, uh, there has been a lot of movement, starting with the Big Ten, as all of you probably know by now. Conference-only schedule in the Big Ten. The ripple effect that's going to come from that. What the SEC is going to do. And my proposal. I know Greg Sankey doesn't listen to this podcast. At least I, I would highly doubt it. But if uh, any of you know Mr. Sankey, get his people to call my people and I'll give him this proposal. Um, they can get this right. If they just use common sense. We'll talk about all that today right here on the podcast that is brought to you every day by LBs in Oxford. Just across from Kroger on University Avenue. It's Friday. It's going to be really hot, but still good grilling weather, of course. I found a recipe of apple pie ribs. Sounds crazy, but Malcolm Reed is the one. uh, It's on his website, howtobbqright.com, if you care to visit it. They look incredible. Stop by LB's, follow Malcolm's recipe, or do anything behind the grill. LB's has got it for you. That's what I'm going to be doing this weekend, some apple pie ribs. I'll tell you how they turn out. Uh, But LB's is the best place to get your meats. If you're in Oxford, just across from Kroger on University Avenue, go by and see Greg and tell him we sent you. Uh, That's LB's in Oxford. So the Big Ten made the announcement yesterday, and and like I said, on Wednesday, we kind of talked about this being the idea. The Big Ten makes their announcement, though, uh, that conference-only games will be coming to the league this year. That's all they're going to do is play Big Ten games. And they have yet to release exactly what that's going to look like. So most people just said that they canceled their non-conference games and they will only play the Big Ten games on their schedule. And I think that's I don't think that's accurate. They're going to add games. The Big Ten will be playing more than their currently scheduled conference games. They will add one or two more. I can almost guarantee that to you. But conference-only schedule in the Big Ten. And uh, the commissioner, in a press conference shortly after their formal announcement yesterday afternoon, basically said, hey, look, this is what we want to do, but there's no promises that we're going to be able to play football this fall. Which kind of falls in line with what everybody else is thinking. We want it to happen. We've got to find ways to make it happen. But there's no guarantee it's going to happen. A lot of things have to go right between now and then in order for them to feel comfortable playing. The SEC will follow soon. We will have conference-only college football this fall across the board with a few exceptions. But the SEC is going to follow suit very, very soon. They don't really have a choice, if we're being honest, because the Big Ten made this announcement. Uh, The reports out there are that the Pac-12 will soon follow and the ACC will soon follow. So if three of the Power Five leagues have all gone to conference only, it's only a matter of time before the SEC does the same. It's a matter of when, not a matter of if. 
the SEC is going to do a similar schedule structure this year. You can you can take that to the bank. You can guarantee that. That's what's going to happen. So what does this mean? To me, this means they are doing or going to do everything they possibly can to play. That's what this tells me. You have people out there, and, and Paul Feinbaum said today that, uh, one, he said college football's imploding, and I, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, yes, there's a lack of leadership in the sport because of the structure. Uh, you have the Power Five conferences, which are all that you care about. Um, they all have their own commissioners and decision makers. So the lack of like a college football-wide commissioner and decision maker is pretty apparent, but it's not imploding. These are taking the steps necessary to do everything they can to play. The commissioner of the Big Ten, Greg Sankey, Larry Scott, all the Power Five conferences know what is at stake, financially and otherwise. We talked about it on Wednesday. You know that there are businesses and towns that would never look the same if we don't get a football season. They would never look the same. The financial implications of not playing are dire, and they all know that. So going to this kind of extreme tells me that they're willing to do whatever it takes to at least put a season on because they know they have to. They know they have to. I saw somebody suggest today that um, this is only a money grab and that there's no real safety. If they're doing this in the name of public safety, that that's not true, that that's, that's disingenuous. And I'm going to tell you why that's wrong here in a little bit. According to reporting, the SEC and others were blindsided by this. Um, not that they were blindsided by this being the step taken, but that they weren't told about it. And I understand where they're coming from, honestly. If I'm Greg Sankey and the people that work in the SEC office, they were not given a heads up. Nobody was given a heads up about this announcement. And no matter what somebody will tell you, the Ivy League did not influence the Big Ten's announcement yesterday. It didn't happen. Uh, This was something that they did on their own, absent of what Harvard and Yale are doing. But the SEC was not told this was coming. The Pac-12 was not told this was coming. They should have been. Conference commissioners are in regular communication with each other, and Greg Sankey and the SEC should have been privy to this information. Uh, just so they can, they could have had a heads up. The statements yesterday from the SEC kind of told you that they were not prepared for this to be the announcement. They should have been given a heads up. I, I understand that the Big Ten's responsibility is only the Big Ten's interest and nobody else's. I get that. I really do. But they should have given a heads up to their other Power Five um, peers, if you will. They should have been given a heads up, and they weren't. They were kind of blindsided by the announcement. It was unexpected, but it's not something they're not prepared for. I saw a few people suggest that it's unbelievable that college commissioners were not prepared for an announcement like this. Yes, they were. They were prepared, and they are prepared for something like this. I've seen people suggest that everyone is scrambling. Like I said, that's not true. They're only scrambling because the announcement was made unexpectedly. I told you weeks ago that this was something that they considered in the SEC office. We talked about it on the radio show as well, if you listen to both. The SEC office had been talking about ways they can pull off a conference-only schedule for at least a few weeks now. 
I was I was told that uh, from somebody that would be familiar with these kind of conversations that this was happening. The SEC was not blindsided by this idea yesterday. They were blindsided by the announcement. They have been talking about this. They are prepared to move forward with this if if they decide that's the best course of action, which, spoiler alert, they're going to decide that this is the best course of action moving forward. They were prepared for this. They are prepared for this. They've been talking about it a long time. And according to Ross Dellinger uh, yesterday, or at least... Uh, This week, the SEC has summoned all 14 athletic directors to Birmingham. That meeting will happen on Monday, and they will be in person. They've been doing Zoom calls and stuff like that. But in person, they will discuss and make decisions about football season. I'd be shocked if they decide anything other than a conference-only plan with maybe, maybe some kind of tie-in to keep rivalry games. Because Clemson and South Carolina are in the same freaking state. Georgia and Georgia Tech, same thing. So if you're going to send Georgia to Missouri or vice versa, I don't have the schedule in front of me, why could you not play those two games? But we'll get into that here in a little bit. So that's going to happen on Monday. So the SEC will not be making any kind of announcement today. You can probably expect it early next week. So why are they doing this? What's the benefit for this plan? We got a couple of of those questions yesterday into the radio show. And like I said, I saw somebody on Twitter suggest that this does nothing for public safety. But it does, though. And here's why. I've got a bunch of reasons why they're doing this. but, But here's why this makes sense. Oversight. And uniform protocols. Instead of having to worry about your FCS opponent and your Conference USA opponent, and your AAC opponent, and your ACC opponent, following along with protocols that were put in place that are not the same as your own, you're not certain that they have done the measures that you have required of your own conference members. By doing this, by having only SEC teams playing against each other, you can provide oversight and protocols and travel situations, and testing, and know that all 14 of your teams are doing it. If you're relying on other people to implement appropriate protocols and protect their players and protect their teams, you can't be sure that there is enough oversight and protocols in place that they are safe. You can dramatically limit the amount of factors that go into something wrong happening. When it's only 14 teams, when you are the decision maker, you being Greg Sankey in, in your office, when it's, when it's just you making decisions on protocols and you're consulting with your medical people and you're doing what's right by your 14 teams and you can oversee all of it and make sure that everything's being done. Oversight and uniform protocols makes this make sense, but also limited travel. And I know that the SEC is pretty spread out, all conferences are, but when you have uniform protocols and oversight and you're busing from Oxford to Starkville for the Egg Bowl, or Oxford to Auburn, or Oxford to Tuscaloosa, or College Station, that's a hell of a drive, but you can do it. You can limit air travel, and it can all fall under your umbrella. So you don't have to rely on anybody else to make appropriate calls or oversee. 
You can oversee travel. You can oversee practice. You can oversee games, testing, everything. Fewer games. If you go to a conference-only schedule, you can play fewer games. And there, if you have fewer games, there are fewer opportunities for things to go wrong. But most importantly, when you go to a conference-only schedule, it's flexibility. All of these things are important, but schedule flexibility is why they're doing this. Because you can guarantee more games get played if you are more flexible with your schedule. You can play 10 games over 14 weeks. Or you can do what the NFL's done. We talked about it on Wednesday. I'm sorry I'm being a little repetitive. It's just, you know, I I, I kind of spoke it into existence, if you will. Um, you can do what the NFL's doing. The example I gave you Wednesday was if they don't start on week one, they're moving week one's games to the end of the schedule. If they can't start on week two, they're moving week two's games to the end of the schedule. And then... They're just going to start whenever the week is supposed to be scheduled. You can do something like that, or you can have multiple bye weeks. Three or four, or hell, five. I don't think they would go that far, but three or four bye weeks to where if there's a small outbreak within a team, you can move games because you're only dealing with 14 teams. So you don't have to worry if you've got an ACC team and a Big Ten team and a Big 12 team and a Conference USA team all playing against your league teams in one weekend, you have to deal with all these different leagues and their schedules. And no, you only have to worry about scheduling games for 14 teams. That's it. It makes it so much easier for them to navigate potential pauses or or outbreaks or schedule moving because they only have to deal with themselves. It doesn't have to exclusively be about public safety, but that that does help. If something goes wrong, if there is a small outbreak, like what LSU had, where a bunch of kids went to a party and they all had to quarantine, you can move their game to a mutual bye week or toward the end, to the end of the season. You don't have to worry about calling other leagues and worrying about other schedules. You can do it on your own, and you're the sole decision maker. Makes it so much easier for them to operate when it's like this. And of course, like I said, it does increase the likelihood of you playing a full season because it allows you to only worry about you and you can be as flexible with your schedule as possible. That increases the likelihood that you play a, quote, full, end quote, season. If you decide a certain number of games, if it's just you, you have to worry about, that increases the likelihood of you having a full season. And then the television interest. Because that can't be ignored. Of course, they're trying to make money because, like we've told you for weeks and it's months now, uh, without college football, especially in places like Mississippi, the financial implications are dire if it doesn't happen. And even if it's 25% full capacity or even if it's no capacity at all, at least playing games will generate some kind of revenue. Something to keep you alive. And if you're playing a conference-only schedule, the television interest will still be there. You can still get that big, beautiful check from the SEC. That's not the only reason why they're doing this, and suggesting that I think is wrong. But of course, that's a a major factor. You lose games like Ole Miss and Baylor. 
But by doing that, you could add a game like Ole Miss and Tennessee. You lose Auburn and North Carolina. But you can add Auburn and Florida. And for however long you make the season, and I'll give you my proposal here in a little bit, but for however long you make the season, every single Saturday, with the exception of games that feature Vanderbilt, you have a full slate of nothing but compelling football games. There's no more weekend where you have Samford and Chattanooga in Western Carolina and Furman and, oh, I don't know, New Mexico State on the schedule. No more weekends like that. Every single Saturday is interesting. We'll draw big-time numbers. And that will keep your athletic departments alive. The SEC is a big money league. Ole Miss and Mississippi State, I think, now have, have eclipsed a $100 million budget. I know Ole Miss has a few years ago. Um, if they don't play football, and if that check from the SEC doesn't come because they don't generate revenue, Ole Miss cuts sports. A lot of them. Not all of them, but they cut sports. And most people around the country would too. I mean, Stanford cut sports that they're really good at. 20 national champions, or sports that have produced 20 national champions and 27 Olympic medalists, they cut. The same thing would happen here. Golf, tennis, gone. They would only keep football and basketball, and I think around here you would have to keep baseball, even though it doesn't really make any money. And only have women's sports that equal those amount of scholarships. Everything else is gone. A lot of places would just cut baseball. Because they don't care about it like you guys do. They would just be gone. So they need to find a way to play. Or else, college athletics as we know it, and a lot of the towns, as I've said a few times now, are changed forever. So what would I propose? Here's where I need you guys to get uh, Greg Sankey on the phone for me. Because I think this makes a, a ton of sense. It's something that they can pull off. You play a 10-game schedule. And I saw a, a radio host, in, and let me pull him up to make sure I give appropriate credit, come up with a great idea yesterday. Uh, Vince Ferrara. He does radio in Knoxville. WNML in Knoxville. Uh, he decided that the SEC should move to 10 games, like I'm proposing, Keep the eight teams you are supposed to play this year on the schedule. Just for continuity, keep those eight games. And the two you add would be your 2021 and 2022 crossover games. So here's what that would look like. Ole Miss would add Tennessee, who they're supposed to play next year in Knoxville, and Kentucky at home. So their current eight games on the schedule adding Tennessee and Kentucky. And Vince has it for every team. So, for example, Florida would add Alabama and have to go to Texas A&M. Georgia would add Arkansas and go to Mississippi State. Kentucky would add LSU and go to Ole Miss, as I mentioned. Missouri would host A&M and go to Auburn. South Carolina would host Auburn and go to Arkansas. Tennessee, Ole Miss, as I mentioned, and go to LSU. Vanderbilt would host Mississippi State and go to Alabama. 
Alabama would be at Florida and, and Vanderbilt at home. Arkansas would have to go to Georgia, as we mentioned, and host South Carolina. Auburn would have to go to South Carolina, host Missouri. LSU would have to go to Kentucky, host Tennessee. Mississippi State at Vanderbilt, home to Georgia. Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Kentucky, as I mentioned. A&M at Missouri, Florida at home. So you're adding a home game and a road game to every schedule. Everybody would play five home games, and it would be the easiest way, without having to blow your schedule up and start over, which they're going to have to do anyway to add a bunch of bye weeks, but you can at least keep the same trips that these programs have been planning for a while with the four SEC road games. They're already working out hotels and travel arrangements and stuff like that. You don't have to rework everything, but it's a simple addition to what you already have to get to 10 games. I think it was a really smart thing uh, from from Vince Ferrara uh, there at, what did I say, WNML there in Knoxville. Um, really smart, really easy solution uh, to this problem. So I really like that proposal. So I would do something like that, 10 games, and add them the way Vince proposed. I like that a lot. Start on September 19th. Maybe even later, but that was the date I came up with. September 19th. Gives everybody more time. Gives you more time to get your players into shape. Because there's, I mean, there's reporting out there that um, a lot of schools, not just Ole Miss, players are scared to show up to workouts. That they're not, they're not showing up. Because they don't like the protocols or, or they're afraid to get coronavirus. Gives you more time to get your team prepared. It gives the country more time to get coronavirus under control, hopefully. It gives everybody more time to work their schedule out and make travel arrangements and plans. It gives more time for the SEC to come up with their protocols for each team that they have to follow to be as safe as humanly possible to play. And you can play the season into December, which I think is important. So 10 games starting on, at the earliest, September 19th. You add at least three bye weeks. So 10 games over 13 or 14 weeks. And you play the SEC championship on, on January 2nd. Because I think they, they don't need to worry about the college football playoff. I think what the SEC and the Big Ten and the ACC should do is just schedule for themselves and not worry about the college football playoff. Because there is absolutely no guarantee at all that the college football playoff will happen. And if everybody goes to a conference-only schedule, what are they going to do? Are they just going to handpick four teams when you've seen no crossover play? I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. They, a good idea would be for them to expand to six just for this year and give the champion of every Power 5 league and one outstanding group of five team a chance. But I wouldn't count on the playoff even happening. I would only schedule for myself. And if the college football playoff wants to put one on, good on them. But I would only schedule for myself and only worry about myself. Make sure you can find a way to crown a champion in Atlanta. And with this proposal, 10 games over 13 or 14 weeks starting at the end of September play through December, that's okay, and have your conference championship on January 2nd. Don't worry about the college football playoff. If they want to have one, great. They can have one after the season ends, if they want to. I wouldn't count on that, though. Just make sure you can crown a champion in Atlanta. 
And then I would lobby for the NCAA to get rid of the uh, current redshirt rule. It's a good one. I like it. I think it makes sense. You can play in four games and preserve your redshirt. For one year, I would lobby for Mark Emmert to do something right and good and bold even a little bit for once in his life. And for one year, let a team have its full complement of scholarships without penalty. Let somebody preserve a red shirt if they would like and play in every game. Because if there is, a, if one player tests positive, for example, but he was in contact with a bunch of other players and you have to quarantine them all, you can still push on because you have more players available. It would allow you to continue playing games if you have more players available. These are unique times and unique circumstances, and therefore you have to do unique things. Just a one-off, that's what I would lobby uh, to the NCAA for. And by the way, they released a statement yesterday. (laughs) It's the worst thing you've ever seen. Here's their statement. Quote, As the COVID-19 pandemic continues to impact college sports nationally, the NCAA supports its members as they make important decisions based on their specific circumstances and the best interest of college athletes' health and well-being. End quote. (sighs) (laughs) That's terrible. I mean, they said nothing. They're just passing the buck off to other people. Eh, What a joke. Uh, opportunity for them to lead, and they're just failing to do that. I mean, they don't really have authority anyway, but at least they could try to be a leader, and, you know, they're incompetent, so you shouldn't expect anything else. I've seen a lot of people talk about optics. Like Dennis Dodd, for example, ran a story this morning, and uh, his tweet said at least the Ivy League can look itself in the mirror or something like that. Um, when did we start talking about optics in college football? I mean, are our heads buried that far in the sand where we think that college football has ever been a clean or pure sport? That's what I can't get past is, oh, the optics are so bad. It, talking, It's all about money. When has it not only been about money? When has college football at this level been pure and good? Seriously, I would like to know the answer to that. SB Nation a while ago ran a story about cheating in college football in like the 1920s. It's always been here, but the example I used on the radio show yesterday. We're so worried about optics, yet Penn State could keep Joe Paterno and, more importantly, Jerry Sandusky on staff for decades When people in power knew what Jerry Sandusky was doing, including Joe Paterno, and did nothing about it for decades, decades, and then when Paterno dies and Sandusky goes to prison, they hire James Franklin, and you know what he left at Vanderbilt, what happened to him when he was the coach at Vanderbilt. They hire that guy, and they still are considered a blue blood, They are still a national brand, and they still put 105,000 people plus in their stadium every Saturday. Optics have never... Who who has ever cared about that? Pretending that, oh, well, at least the Ivy League can look itself in the mirror, and the Big Ten, uh, they can't because the optics of this are so bad. Oh, get over yourself. Get over yourself. It's It's never been pure. It's not just Penn State. It's been like this for so long. That's just disingenuous. Optics, 
Nobody's going to care. Nobody cares. Anyway, um, some of the challenges that they're facing. Uh, contracts. This is a big one. Is going to this scheduling ha- has opened them up to what will possibly be litigation from these smaller schools that have buy-game contracts with these big schools. I saw Bowling Green, for example, an athletic department that already cut baseball and they had some kind of fundraiser to get it back, but still they're cutting sports and they were due to receive over $2 million from two buy games this year and those will no longer happen because they were both Big Ten teams that they were supposed to play. Um, Do you pay them out? There's no way that everybody can afford that because if you're playing a conference-only schedule and there may not be any fans... Um, how can you do that? That would be the right thing to do. That would be the the compassionate thing to do, but I don't think or or expect anybody to actually do that. Maybe you could strike a deal. Um, In Bowling Green's case, I'll just keep using them as an example, Uh, maybe you say, hey, look, if you're Illinois, hey, we're not playing you this year. It was the Big Ten's call. We can't pay you the million dollars that we were going to pay you to come here. We can't do it. But here's what we can do. We'll give you 250k, And we'll put you on the schedule again. So we'll give you $250,000 for a game that's not happening. And we'll schedule, schedule you on a later date for a bye game. So for one game, you're getting 250 k more than you would have otherwise. That's, that's what I would propose. Same thing for a place like Furman. The ripple effect that this is going to cause on college football is pretty significant and pretty dire. Here's an example for you. Cole Kubelik tweeted this out earlier today. The SEC schedule this year in 2020 has six ACC teams on it, four Big 12 teams on it, two Pac-12 teams on it, and not a single Big 10 team on it. Compare that to the other conferences. They have 13 FCS teams on the schedule. Seven Sunbelt teams on the schedule. Six Conference USA teams. Four Mountain West. Four MAC. Four Independents. And one AAC. Save Notre Dame on the independent scale of things. All of those teams will suffer greatly from this. The ripple effect that's going to resonate throughout college football is a pretty significant one. Because they depend on these games. Furman's supposed to play at Tennessee. That game keeps their athletic department alive. That game's not going to happen anymore. That's where it's tough. So I hope they can find a way uh, to strike some kind of a deal to help the Arkansas State, the Southeast Missouri, who Ole Miss was supposed to play this year, the Furman, uh, the Southern Miss, who's going to need help through all this. Uh, I hope they can find a way to strike deals to help them. Because they need it. Desperately. They need it. Uh, But at the end of the day, you have to take care of your own. I saw it was a congressman in Iowa that was furious with the Big Ten because uh, does the Big Ten not understand how important the Iowa-Iowa State game is for this state? And people really care. And he was an Iowa State graduate. And he was furious with the Big Ten because they're taking that game away from Iowa. It's not the Big Ten's responsibility to take care of Iowa State. Greg Sankey and the SEC have to take care of their own. They have to do what's best for them. 
Uh, so that sentiment you're going to see, small college people you're going to see. I mean, I, I talked about um, last week, was it last week, where, where Southern Miss fans were just furious because Ole Miss just won't play them, and they talk about keeping the money in state and, and helping out, helping them out and stuff like that. You only have a responsibility to, to yourself in college sports. The Big Ten is not responsible for the Iowa-Iowa State game. They're just trying to do whatever they can to play. I mean, I saw Feinbaum today said he thinks that it's a 25% chance that they actually get a season off. And that's not irresponsible because he was asked his opinion and he gave his opinion. But you see that a lot with college football media lately. People that are just, oh, it's not going to happen. It's stupid that it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. And Dennis Dodd says, oh, at least the Ivy League can look itself in the mirror. And that's that's really nice that that you think that. But... That's just ignoring everything that's on the line if they don't. And there's nothing wrong with a little bit of hope that maybe that makes me stupid. And you're just you're much smarter than me if if you're screaming at the mountaintops, oh, it's never going to happen, and it's stupid that they're even trying. It, it, that's fine. If that makes you smarter than me, that's okay. But I'm going to have a little bit of hope. Um, it, because when you talk like that, um, it shows that you don't quite understand what happens if they don't play. Or you are in a position as a media person, the very, very few media people that are in that kind of position where it doesn't really matter if the games don't happen because they get paid so much and there's so much financial backing in their organization to where they'll keep getting their fancy checks, but... There's a lot of people that work in sports media that are uh, contract workers, freelance guys, or people that if football doesn't happen this fall will not have a job anymore. And it's not like they will have plenty of options to go elsewhere. But it's not just media. It's business owners and hotel owners and restaurant owners and retail and scholarships for athletes that do not play money sports. It's the soccer players, it's the volleyball players, it's the golfers, track and field, tennis. They would all suffer too. So, again, Feinbaum was just asked a prediction. That's all he, that's all he gave. He's not wrong for making that prediction. But if, if you are one of those people that think it's just stupid that they're trying to do this, um, you just don't understand what's on the line. I appreciate the Big Ten and, and the SEC and the ACC for trying because they have to. Uh, or else things will change forever. And finally, I, I'll leave you with this. I don't think this should be this way every year. In fact, I've been meaning to bring this up earlier. When the SEC makes their announcement that they're going to a conference-only schedule or like if they make it flexible to where it's conference-only but we will... Uh, you can play an additional game against somebody that's regionally appropriate that we approve of. For example, Georgia-Georgia Tech. If the SEC looks at the ACC's guidelines and decides, hey, look, we're comfortable with what they're doing, they're right up the road, you guys can play each other. That, that might be an addition. I think that would make sense as well. Let Clemson and South Carolina play each other. Louisville-Kentucky play each other. Georgia-Georgia Tech. Florida-Florida State. Let those games still happen or try to make them happen. That makes sense if they want to add some kind of clause like that in there. But when the SEC decides they're going to have some kind of conference-only schedule, which I think is coming, 
I don't want it to happen every year. But at least it would be fun. I would enjoy the heck out of it. It would be a blast. Every Saturday would matter. However, I do think if that's the route that they take, when this is the route that they take, that this further shows that this year should be considered year zero for Lane Kiffin. Because recruiting's been a mess. Somebody reported yesterday, and hasn't been confirmed by anybody else, that the dead period might extend through the year. So no visits on campus at all this year. So recruiting's going to be hard to do. Um, and all SEC schedules, so without your, your easy wins and games to kind of build a foundation on, those are all gone. Uh, this would further prove that this should be considered year zero for Kiffin. With the recruiting mess and the coronavirus and everything that's happened with that, and then the altered season where it's a 10-game SEC-only schedule, this is year zero for Kiffin, and in my opinion, shouldn't be looked at any other way. But it will be fun. Every Saturday will matter. As a just a, a casual fan of college football, it's going to be a blast. I don't want it to happen like this every year, but if it's any consolation on top of them trying to do whatever it takes to just get a season in, just doing whatever it takes, uh, this will be fun if they can find a way to pull it off. And although the circumstances seem dire, I'm not going to tell you that there's a 0% chance or they should shut it down because I know what's on the line if they do. And I'm still hopeful that things can get better. And if they go to a conference-only schedule, they can be more flexible and start the season later and add more bye weeks. They can pull it off, I think. So I'm going to be hopeful. I hope you do the same. That is it for me on this Friday. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in, as always. I really appreciate uh, all of you uh, that continue to listen. Follow me on Twitter, at Michael Borky, on Facebook, at Michael Borky. Uh, stop by LB's this weekend. Go see Greg. Tell him we sent you. Have a great weekend, and thank you for making the podcast a part of your day today or whenever you're listening to this. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Uh, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever. Uh, and leave a, a rating as well. Roast me all you want. I think it's part of my take that does this, where leave me a five-star rating and you can say whatever you want about me. <laughs> um, anyway, so enjoy your weekend. Thank you for tuning in. Glad that uh, you are with me. And I'll talk to you again on Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.